Hello, this is Entropy to Work. I am your host, Tiago Ebel. So, what is all over the news this week um, that I'm releasing the podcast on March 30? I'm actually recording this a couple of days before. But what's all over the news is the big ship stuck in the Swiss, Swiss Canal in Egypt that is uh, clogging the whole logistics system um, that comes to Europe and Asia. And uh, I am in opposition to comment how that happened or how they're going to take it out and etc. I just want to make a point that is uh, it is a recurring theme here in the podcast about how fragile modern society is and how many things we take it for granted one of them is you know this free trade and and how easily we can buy things in china from the u.s europe south america china and the, the whole asia actually and uh and and it does it just gets one ship to get stuck in the swiss canal to everything goes crazy so that's pretty interesting at least for me so and that's a little bit of what we're talking today. So before, uh, there is no housekeeping. Uh, everything is going good with the podcast. Uh, thank you for all the feedback and thanks for the suggestions. I do have some pretty heavyweight guests coming along. So yeah, thanks for the support. It's definitely growing and I'm curious to see where we're going from here. Um, before I talk about who's the guest today, let me just tell you guys a story, a, a new, a little anecdote of had to happen to me a couple years ago. Uh, three years ago, a bit more than that, I was in France with my fiance at the time, uh, and a wife, and I was going to a friend's wedding, and uh, a really nice couple give us a ride from the city Marseille to where the um, the the marriage reception would actually be. And they're really nice, they're really cool. They had a big truck, pickup truck, and uh, well, they, they drove us there and it was really cool, uh, us and some of our friends. But then, it, uh, as you guys probably noticed at this point, I cannot really take out my engineering hat at any point. So at some point, uh, we're talking and they are really proud to tell me that they converted the big pickup truck to use ethanol, alcohol, uh, as a fuel instead. Because, and I quote them, it is better for the environment. At that point, I tried to comment that not necessarily that's better to the environment, and they didn't really understand. Uh, my fiance was a bit uncomfortable, and was like, oh man. So yeah, we, we stopped there. But there is a couple points there, of course. Uh, it's a big pickup truck. So first of all, your volumetric consumption is going to be much bigger because what you produce in terms of of uh, volumetric power, density of power for uh, alcohol is smaller than uh, gasoline or diesel. So you're gonna make more trips to the gas station. That's for absolutely sure. Um, also something that usually does not go to the calculation is about maintenance. So if you need to change your spark plugs more times, if you need to change the oil more times, if you need to change some of the hoses in the, in the um, engine that, counts so all of this might not make your change very environmental friendly because you know all the minerals that go into this stuff and etc so um, the real answer there is it depends it really depends also a big one is where is this ethanol produced so if it's coming from a camp in africa that they slave people that's not good for the environment nor for people uh maybe this alcohol is actually coming from uh, oil and gas anyway so it's uh, it really depends so 
that's a big thing and again big big recurring team here is the nuance like sustainability is not one straight answer most of the times you have a lot of solutions and it really depends on the on the situation and on where you are on the time the point in time that you are to actually have a sustainable answer so all of that to say today is a very fun uh, episode i'm talking with michael kukuza he's the cto and one of the founders at envyopower basically they did develop your micro cogeneration plants to have it at home saying it easier you have a boiler all right that you know heats water for you but also you have a little uh steam turbine to have at home so i would be already sold uh just to have a little turbine at home but other than that there's a lot of implications why that's not just a good idea not just because you're generating power for yourself and you know in case the electricity goes down you can generate your, your own electricity but how that in the future might become like a little insurance for you so you you're going to be generating your, your own uh, electricity um i had a lot of fun talking to mike i hope you guys enjoy as much as i did i am really interested in in power as you guys probably will see in the episode i really wish everything the best for them because i really think uh their work matters even though uh, you know in terms it's not green in theory right you're still burning gas uh but he mentioned they might use some other fuels but i really think this is the actual system sustainability that's going to be make a big difference in the future okay so now i'll bring you michael kuza Mike, thanks so much for being here. I'm super happy to have you in the podcast. Yeah, Tego, it's, it's awesome. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So when something pop up on LinkedIn about you, I always think two things. First of all, I'm excited to see what's next in Envio Power. And I always think about the Godfather. <laughs> like always, I'm, I'm just like, oh man, Mike's going to make me a proposal that I cannot refuse. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I'm there. It's, maybe it's the, the slicked over hair, you know, or the when the last name just pops up. That's fantastic. Yeah, is, it, is your family actually Italian? Yeah, yeah. My grandma, um, my, my roots go back to, to Sicily. Um, you know, my, <laughs> my dad's side, uh, all, uh, all Italian. My grandmother immigrated over, um, you know, early in the in the 20th century. So yeah, we've got some deep Italian roots. Unfortunately, I don't speak Italian. Um, oh, man. I was traveling early in my career, I'd go to power plants in Italy a lot, and they would get super excited to see me uh, and my last name and uh, do you speak Italian? No. And it was like, <laughs> almost worse than just being American and not speaking Italian. It was almost like, you know, I, I um, was doing, you know, a sin in, on a religion or something. It was, uh, I can remember those blank stares, but <laughs> I know the feeling. I'm third generation of German back in Brazil. Actually, so in the south of Brazil, people don't believe that. People always think about carnival and you know, all very mixed people and etc. But in the south of Brazil, it's just Germans and Italians. Yeah, and uh, because it's almost border with Argentina, so my family is really German. I'm third generation. And yeah, I don't speak German. It's really <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> and again, like, why you guys didn't teach me? Like, maybe I would have hated when I was three years old, but now it would be like really nice. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Sure. 
Cool. Well, we went in the tangent there. So first of all, Mike, who are you? Who yeah. are you? How you end up where you are? Like, tell us a little bit of background and what are you guys up to in, in BioPower? Yeah, thanks, Harrow. So uh, Mike Kakuza, I'm the founder and the CTO of EnviroPower. Um, EnviroPower is creating what's called micro-combined heat and power generators. Uh, the easiest way to think about it is uh, you're going to have a furnace or a boiler in your house, uh, produces uh, heat for your house or domestic hot water. We create those exact same devices, except while it runs, uh, it has a, a small micro-steam turbine inside that produces electricity. So that's a cold that day. That guy in your background? That, yeah. Oh yeah, I forget these are yeah, these little guys in our background here. Um, <laughs> so when it operates, uh, the the system turns on, provides thermal energy, and then uh, also creates uh, electricity. So it drives down your overall energy bills. Uh, it can be used for backup power systems. Uh, it also can charge batteries or uh, provide grid resiliency. So um, we're in the very early stages. Uh, we've just started putting some units out into the field. Uh, however, we have some large OEM partners that uh, we're doing some licensing and manufacturing agreements with, and we expect uh, in the next probably 24 months that you'll start seeing these products uh, out in the market. That's so cool. I cannot tell you how many times I end up pitching your company for random people because <laughs> again, I'm kind of like fixated on the second law of thermodynamics and honestly, like Right here, I'm in the UK, right? In theory, there is some very strict regulations in terms of emissions and stuff. But yep. like my oven is electric. My stove is electric. And again, like every time I turn uh, uh, electric uh, heater, Carno starts crying, right? Because it's just like, so for people, people who are not into engineering or thermoengineering specifically, basically, Heat is the less, let's say, has, is the less quality kind of energy. So we, there is very little you can do with heat. But electricity is very, very high level. You can pretty much produce anything with heat, with, sorry, with electricity. So when you use electricity after, you know, burning sometimes nuclear power point or burning coal and stuff, and then you turn a turbine and you you know, transmit that over the country, and then you get to your house for you to heat something. That is just right. like such a waste of energy, of effort, and people just, oh, but it's so convenient. Yeah, but it's dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you do, you're doing terrible. Like that's, that's, that's terrible. Absolutely, yeah, and it's extremely inefficient. I mean, we're talking about heat pumps now that you know are are you know double the efficiency of just resistive heating elements, but at the same time, um, everyone wants to focus on heat pumps because uh, at the point of use, they're not producing uh, as much emissions. But where's that electricity come from, right? It's coming from uh, the blended uh, emissions right now from uh, electricity, uh, particularly where we live, uh, is still extremely high, right? So if you're putting mm -hmm. in those you feel good uh, for, for installing a heat pump, but you're still getting electricity that's relatively. Yeah, right? yeah that's, that's, that's the problem. There, there is one time, I think it was even Elon Musk himself who put a meme that is like, oh, that's so ugly. You know, there was a, a, a um, uh, you're driving your car, an internal combustion engine, and there is, oh, that's terrible. I'm doing terrible <laughs> for the environment. And then you buy your electric car. And there's like, oh, it's okay. Now, you know, I'm helping the environment, but actually no one talked about how the mining of lithium and other stuff uh, in battery just completely ruins the environment forever. 
And the electricity that you're getting is probably coming from like a, a coal thermal plant, plant that is just terrible for the environment. So it's just like, oh, okay, as long as you don't see it, then it's good for the environment, right? Yeah, yeah, you feel good, you know, parking that uh, electric vehicle in your house and you're forgetting where, you know, those electrons, you don't see the electrons or where they're coming from, but. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's a dirt, you know, not to use the pump, but it is a dirty little secret of, of electric vehicles, of heat pumps. Where are you getting those electrons from? Uh, Southern California, yeah. you have an air conditioning system and the sun's out, makes a whole lot of sense. But, you know, in the, in the Northeast, um, you know, particularly heat pumps, uh, or electric heating, it's coming from, you know, a natural gas power plant, it's coming from on peak, you know, diesel, um, it's, it's, that's just the truth of it, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even in my own house, when I was still living in New England, I moved to a house because again, being human, the closest work and the cheapest rent I could find was a nice, you know, condo, two, 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 uh, two floors. But the house was old, so the whole installation was terrible, and the whole uh, heating system in, you know, Vermont winter was electric. So oh. I can I, I can tell you how many times that oh man, Mike, please come out of that boiler, man. We need that, yeah. man. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, that's 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 I I can't wrap my head around electric heat for an entire house or condo, right? Your electric bills skyrocket. It's absurd. Oh, it does. Really, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, well, let's start complaining. Let's talk about the good stuff that's coming. But, so first of all, I think your idea is just awesome. The first time I heard about it in the previous company that I used to work on, I was like, of course, obviously. Like I, I had zero doubts you guys going to be everywhere because this is just a great idea and it's just obvious. It's just a matter of like developing and putting it out there. So how, how does that start it? How you, you know, thought about, I guess from the thermodynamics point of view, it makes a lot of sense as micro cogeneration plants, but how you just like, okay, now I'm gonna, you know, drop my full-time job and try this. Yeah, it's a great, great question. So um, mechanical engineering background, uh, when I got out of uh, school, you know, worked for Pratt and Whitney. Um, I worked for a French transmission company, Flender Grafenstaden, uh, that had some reps here in, in the U.S. Um, but I did some uh, research and development at uh, at the University of Connecticut around um, small-scale Rankine cycles, uh, in particular in the transportation sector. So uh, I worked for this small company that got uh, a grant from the DOT to essentially make a small steam car. Um, we took a uh, one of those uh, small electric vehicles, we took the powertrain out, we put in a small steam expander and we got it to move down the road. And, you know, I kind of like fell in love with it. I was like, oh, great. You could take heat, you could take water and things move, right? And uh, mm -hmm. uh, so we did that for a couple of years based on uh, that DOT contract. And I just kind of never stopped uh, innovating. Um, and what we started to do is actually take uh, boiler parts. Uh, we'd buy boilers off the internet and uh, get their parts in, weld up some combustion chambers, and we ended up finding the small steam expander. Um, and we made like these prototypes in, in our basement, um, myself and another uh, engineering buddy of mine. And uh, all of a sudden we made this like prototype where I could hook it up to my heating system and I was making electricity and like heating my house. And I was like, sweet, we've made this million dollar idea. Like, <laughs> 
I'm like, wait, no one actually cares about this. You actually have to make a business first, right? So wait a second, wait a second. I think I need to show you this. Let me let me know if this if this this is the guy. That's the first one. Oh, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just talking to you. So I was just like, this this sound this kind of sounds like what I heard you talking before about your first prototype in your basement. <laughs> that's so funny that you found that picture. Absolutely. Yeah. So we made this thing and uh, I was like, we did it. All right. I'm, you know, in my twenties and I'm going to be this, you know, famous inventor. And, you know, next thing I know is like, no one's heard about us. No one cares about this. Like, um, Reality so, just gives you that punch in the, the stomach. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you have to build a company. Like, what does that mean? So, in <laughs> you know, we had this working prototype and, um, and so, yeah, I was like, all right, let's try to make a company. You know, I, I had no responsibilities at the time. I thought we could conquer anything. So, you know, left the full-time jobs through my retirement at this and just started trying to figure out what it was to be, you know, an entrepreneur. You know, I made a pitch deck and anywhere that wanted to hear this idea, I would just go and, you know, hey, my name's Mike, I got this company. And uh, you, you, you remember last time your power went out and the last time you got your electric bill, I got a you know, device that's gonna solve that. And uh, yeah, yeah. I hooked up with some really great mentors that, uh, that helped me you know, position the company so you could raise money um, and, and you could uh, build a development team, et cetera. And so over, over time, we started bringing in some angel investment. We started to uh, refine the product. Um, and then we started realizing some of the, you know, the key components of the, uh, of the device uh, you know, weren't really off the shelf. And, and that's when I kind of said, man, we can't raise, you know, tens of thousands. We, we have to raise, we have to raise millions of dollars like to, to do this. I mean, in your previous company, right? Um, the, the companies that would come to you, their R&D budgets were in the millions of dollars. And, and that's just yep. to get prototypes out the door. So um, yeah, it was this, this kind of accidental R&D that turned into, you know, a really fun hobby that we made some early prototypes um, uh, uh, just out of my basement. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb enough to think I can make a company. So let's <laughs> try that out. And, and, you know, we are where we are today. So it's, uh, it's been really great, uh, learning, you know, not just how to build a product, but how to, how to build a company. Um, and, and like I said, we've got partners right now that where we've got licensing agreements, the company, I think we've developed, um, over five or six patents. Um, you know, we've had, We've raised uh, five and a half million dollars, uh, which is just a start for us because you know the market that we're going after is, is um, you know, just in the U.S. alone is a ten billion dollar business, um, you know, not including Europe. So uh, it's it's becoming justifiable that that we can raise that capital, uh, and as the technology is successful as we deploy it, um, I, I expect that you know we're going to have some continued success. Yeah, that's super cool. Okay, there's so much to unpack there. Let's let's go in parts. First of all, one one was the question that I really wanted to ask you, and you kind of already said, is that I think is really bold of you guys just like, I'm gonna design my own turbine, I'm gonna design my own heat exchanger, I'm gonna design my own control systems. Was that like a deliberate decision? Or was kind of like this is not really working, we need to do our own thing. How how like I can totally see from the IP point of view, like if you get like a good, let's say someone who evaluates your company right now, and even if you guys didn't have anything in the field, but just see that part in terms, in terms of like intellectual property, I would be like, if I was the evaluator, I'll be like, okay, these guys are worth a lot. 
just because you guys did it on your own. Like, I guess people who never work with that have no idea how much it is to develop a prototype or a tool machine, to develop your own control systems, to develop your own heat exchanger. That's a pain in the neck, to be honest. So it's just like, whoa, that's really bold. Uh, that's really just out of necessity or it's kind of like a deliberate decision because you guys knew at some point you're going to make millions out of it, millions of units. So that's millions that we need to buy from someone else. So let's do our own stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a, uh, a really great question um, that really, it depends at what point in time you ask me that question. Now I would say it's <laughs> because of, of exactly what you pointed out, that, that the, the market justifies the development. Um, if you, the market uh, um, requirements, the market specifications require a particular type of, of uh, you know, expander, uh, heat exchanger, et cetera. Um, also reliability, you know, you can't just, not everything, some things fit together and they work great on a test bench, but was it designed to last for 10 years, right? Was it designed to, to have no maintenance, you know? Uh, was it designed to be completely sealed in a vacuum? Um, you know, now that we are at the stage that we're at, it's a necessity to, to do that development. When we were first starting, um, I had to do it. Uh, we, we had a small expander company out of uh, the Netherlands that we were looking to partner with. And uh, actually, our company was one of the first to actually get their turbines to to function, like function properly to their specifications. And so I was flying out to the Netherlands once, twice a year, you know, buying turbines, you know, literally buying a turbine in the Netherlands, putting it in a suitcase and bringing it back to the U.S. <laughs> around in, in my basement. Um, and and they ended up. Uh, I can remember this exact moment. We, we raised our first $100,000. I was ready to start building a prototype. And then they sold their rights of the turbine to another company that was trying to build a similar, um, a similar device to what we were and stopped selling, uh, stopped selling us the turbine. Oh, my God. I made these prototypes. I found some investors. I said, I'm going to make these based off this turbine brought in the money and would say, hey, can I buy a turbine? And was told, sorry, no, you can't buy this anymore. And by the way, <laughs> oh we're going to make the product you're trying to make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I didn't know that. Holy it, cow. <laughs> it seems like I, I need to learn how to make a turbine, right? And um, all, you I, need to, all you need to keep your secrets more close to the chest. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So I, I literally... Remember Googling, like, you know, how to design a turbine, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this this seems like an easy task. But luckily, my background wasn't in, in power gen. So I called some, um, you know, called some old colleagues. And, you know, that's how I got connected with Tim that we were just talking about mm -hmm. uh, over some time and, and found your old company, which is how we connected and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, realized that, that um, you know, it's it's a significant step. Um, but it's a solvable problem, right? It's just, you know, pressure drops, just velocities. Um, I had some really good mentors and uh, it's an engineering problem, right? And, 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 it's, uh, and the thing is, once it's done, you have a product that's gonna work and that's it, it's yours. You're not, you're not gonna need buying a part of $300 every time you have a new machine, it's yours, whatever. It's just a manufacturing product, uh, just a manufacturing cost now. 
Exactly. And so to, to you know, speak to where we are today, uh, designing the heat exchanger, which we have patents on, designing key aspects of the turbine, which we have patents on, designing the control system, which we have patents on, we realize really that's kind of the function of what our company is. And so that allows us to go out and uh, partner with uh, OEMs in the heating equipment space and say, hey, look, we own this technology. We produce this technology. Why don't you let us sell this technology to you? And you already have the distribution channels, you already have the installation networks, and you can go out and build this own product. And we'll teach you how to build this product. And that's really where we're at right now. So, so hmm. um, you know, the 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 post on LinkedIn of our our system hitting a thousand hours, we didn't build that. We built some of the internals to it, but that was built out of one of our partners coming from huh. our boiler manufacturer. So that's where we're engaged in. It's kind of teaching them now how to build the mousetrap so that they can go sell it to their networks. And I believe that's where a big um, a big roadblock that's come up previously and why I think we'll be successful is one, our technology really resembles boilers. It's it's a heat-driven cycle, right? It's a ranking cycle. It's, it's a boiler first and electric generator second. But we, we broke the components down and are supplying these to an OEM that really already builds these. And we don't need to, the customer doesn't need to know who EnviroPower is, right? It's, uh, they true. need to know who the boiler manufacturer is, which they already do. And, you know, for us to go out and sell, you know, 500 units, which by the way, would be a huge milestone for our company. You know, we'd be in tens of millions of dollars um, mm -hmm. if we get to that. Uh, but they can force that. They can push 500 units out in, yeah. in the marketplace, right? It's absolutely so true. Yeah. It's a different strategy that we wanted to take, uh, which we saw something established. And so many companies say, you know, I'm going to take all of the market share away from these established companies and gain that for myself. But we said if we wanted to enable the people already in the marketplace to gain more market share for themselves by... Mm -hmm giving them or selling them our, our product. So that's super smart, Mark. That's super, super smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of the questions that I had to you, but you kind of already broke down because I was like, man, dealing with like the final customer, the guy who go who goes to Home Depot and has five different boilers in front of him. It's really tough because you're talking about a margin of like cents, you know what I mean? Because you need to be producing millions of millions of units to be competing on those like, oh, do I get this guy or this guy? Because basically at that point, the guy's going to choose because of the cars of the lead or something like that. He's not, he actually doesn't understand that, oh, this is slightly more expensive, but I'm in three years going to pay it, itself off and, and, and I'm going to be free for the rest of my life, actually. It's probably going to end up making money for me because I'm not spending on much electricity anymore and stuff like that. That's really smart, man. That's really, really smart. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, we've been asked since 2013 and, and I think that we took the approach of, um, you know, slow and steady, uh, really get to the core of what we're trying to do. Um, look for partnerships, knowing that, you know, we're not going to conquer the, the, it's hardware too, man. Like software is, is one of those things, you know, you've got that high growth curve. You can get a million users, 10 million users, and you're off and running. Mm -hmm. but hardware, I mean, it takes a lot of capital, oh, it takes yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, long development times. Um, you know, so we, we looked at it and said, you know, who could we partner with that would uh, want to go along for this journey? And so, you know, we've got those partners right now, and um, they're, they're just as excited as we are. Um, and, and mainly, you know, we, we were dwelling on the um, the, the using electricity for heat and we've got, you know, 
gas and et cetera. But there is this, you know, battle right now between uh, natural gas and, and electricity. It's almost like a dirty word uh, to use, you know, gas yeah. anymore. And, and so, you know, this is a transition. This is saying, you know, generate some of that electricity on site, do it where there's a reduction in greenhouse gases. Um, and as EVs and other uh, aspects of electrification come on board, this helps to, to mitigate that. Um, this mm -hmm. helps to not need to up, you know, upgrade all of your transformers. You know, that, that's another thing we don't talk about with electrification is- Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I honestly think, and I'm, I mean, as I told you, I think I pitched your company for way too many people before without anyone asking me, just because I think it's a great idea. Because I mean, the first episode was actually talking to Frank. Frank is a professor at uh, University of Boston and we were talking about sustainability. And one of the points that we were talking about is that, well, okay, we're going to go there. It's not going to be as easy as people think, just putting like eolic towers everywhere and magically everything is going to be solved. No, it's, it's not like that. We have millions of millions of megawatts to produce to people. But uh, let's say we get there, all right, magically. Well, the very nature of renewables is that they are very seasonal. Oh, yeah. Just, it's either wind or, so, or uh, uh, solar and et cetera. So I do believe a sustainable development, it's going to be a lot more on the user side, on the on-site generation, just because, and it's not going to be something like people might think, oh, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I, I, you know, I love the environment. I'm only going to be renewable. Yeah, but if you realize that, that energy is going to become just, just like the stock market, because that's how it's going to be. Like we had some suppliers back in the day and now it's going to be just like the stock market. It's going to be going up and down. And having your own source of energy generation is going to be your protection because if happens what happens in Texas, actually Texas is just a great example. People who end up still having electricity for any miracle, they realized a month later that they were, they were paying like $5,000 in electricity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was incredible to see that, right? I, and I mean, if they had their own little um, uh, GLP uh, container at home, they could probably be safe for a week or two. And uh, just like that's that, that would be like fifty dollars instead of the five thousand that they that they paid. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're not thinking about energy costs. You know, five thousand, sure, but fifty or sixty while uh, while your lights are on, while your food is is being preserved, is is nothing. Yeah, you, you're not even thinking about it. You're you're just saying, do they even have a generator down at the Home Depot, and is the Home Depot open, right? And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah energy security is something that uh, we take for granted. Um, you know, the reliability. And it's only going to get worse. Our infrastructure's aging. Um, we are putting renewables uh, on the grid in, in, in such a way that we need to talk about resiliency and what's going on because some of the large uh, base loads are going to start coming off. We're taking um, some of the nuclear off here, I think, uh, in 2021. Uh, and, and it's just shifting that we need to include resiliency into this. And I, I personally sure. believe be on the micro level or the nano level, you know, in, in your home. Um, and it's not only, you know, 10, 15 kilowatts of solar on your roof and a 10 kilowatt hour battery, right? It's, which is oversized and doesn't work here in, in yeah. New England. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope the conversation, and it will, because it's the only practical way, uh, you know, dollars and cents always run this country. I know everyone has uh, has their views on on the way that they would like to see 
um, you know, the, the future play out, but, but we're still a capitalist economy. So as long as it plays financially, um, it's, it's going to still have a place in here. And, and um, you know, gas is, is looking to go renewable. We're looking to add hydrogen uh, mm-hmm. to, to gas, you know, long term. So um, I don't think we're abandoning that large gas pipeline asset anytime soon. I think the conversation is, you know, how do we responsibly put solar and wind and batteries and other distributed generation devices out there that that makes sense and mm-hmm. but, but solar and air conditioner you know work in tandem in synergy in arizona and southern california but mm-hmm. here in new england to say solar and a heat pump solar uh radiation and uh and thermal demand are inversely proportional so what does that mean mm-hmm. if you really want that solar energy you need a large mm-hmm. storage to do that right mm-hmm. so um it has to be talked about with all the possibilities and yeah. what is the blended solution so i think we'll yeah. get there and i'm excited by the conversations i hear and, and really happy to be where we're actually at um you know putting new technology out into the market and having end customers be excited i mean we do like no advertising and i three four or five times a day it's an end user saying I want to install this, you know, in my house and, you know, we take their information. We're like, we'll be ready soon. But um, you're really seeing the end users get excited about, you know, new new technology as it pertains oh, yeah. to resiliency and as it pertains to, yeah. to you know, um, re- reduction in greenhouse gases. So absolutely. A- I mean, I do sign you off there, man. When you have the first the first the first product to go to Ashley home, just let me know. And by the way, my two cents on it. I don't like your Logan saying. It's a boiler, just better. I I think for a freak like me, it would be better like your own thermal plant at home. That's much better than like a smart boiler. Yeah, I, I you know there's because so you're many- not putting you're not putting in the same level. It's just like oh, it's just a slightly better, you know, a slightly better boiler. It's not. It's so much better. It's like your own your your yeah. own ranking cycle at home, man. That's freaking awesome, just for the sake of it. It is. I, I agree. I mean, I think we've gone like so technical in some of these phrases and then like some, I think our newest one is, you know, power empowering the people or, or something like this. Uh, mm-hmm. so like there's like a range and uh, marketing is like my farthest thing from it. But I agree with you, like uh, a turbine in your basement, right? That gets me like super excited. But uh, exactly. That's super cool. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's really, really exciting. What you thought that I'm trying to find the name here. I cannot really find. There is one post on that you guys did on LinkedIn that was awesome. I think it's from the American Society of like Sustainable Energy or Sustainable Development or Energy Responsibility, something like that. And it's really cool. I don't remember what it is. I think it's somewhere close to New England. And they have like these people who are pretty vulnerable, you know, yeah, um, single moms and old people who just uh, pay trying to pay the bills and they realize they're paying like hundreds and hundreds of dollars every every week and there's there is this institution that unfortunately i forgot the name i'm gonna put in the comments later because it's a really good advertising that they kind of go there and help to make the house um energy efficient so start with the basics just better insulation and stuff like that and they go like okay your air conditioning sucks. Let's put like a better one. And probably in the future, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. They're going to be putting our smart boiler over there. Yeah, but that so was a, and that is just like a great 
you know, illustration to what you just said. It's not, we're not talking about, you know, greedy in, entrepreneurs with billions of dollars and just like, ah, I'm trying to take advantage of you. No, we're talking about real people who are struggling and we're actually making the, you know, the best thing for them and for the environment at the same time. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I know right now, and I'm not sure if the post was about, um, we're talking with HUD and some other um, agencies really targeting uh, LMIs, uh, low to, to middle income uh, families or, or single mothers or, or, or fathers, um, but, but really targeting those that get left behind, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Solar solar panels, you know, and inverters, you know, it's 40 grand. And if not, you know, you need to check out on credit and these others. Um, when you start getting to, to middle or lower income, most of the time you're renting. And if you're renting, you're not upgrading your boiler. You're really uh, subject to the, the landlord. And what mm -hmm. are they not paying the, the utilities? And so there's an incentive. I'm going to spend as little money as possible to just make sure I meet the bare minimum so you can heat your house, which means you're generally getting an inefficient system, whether it's air mm -hmm. conditioning, or heating, um, they don't care what your bills are. They care that they're not going to spend a lot on their operating costs. So mm -hmm. what we've been talking about is creating a way because it's not just a condensing, high efficiency condensing boiler, but it produces electricity. When, when you want to replace your boiler, even with a condensing boiler, the payback's like 20 years, right? Maybe 15 mm -hmm. years. A system like mm -hmm. this, you're five. So we're trying to talk to agencies that can go out and say, look, it's not just saving on energy bills, there's a resiliency play into this because of the backup power as well. And so we really do, we think there's an opportunity, but, um, so there's a little self-serving, right? We have shareholders and we need to make sure that, you know, the company, it's a smart uh, move to do that. But we're, we, the reason we really want to get out there is because of that resiliency, because of saving money for the end users. Um, and they've just, it's been passed over uh, and it's starting to come to light that, you know, we really need to find solutions for, um, you know, the LMI sector. But this is a perfect, you know, solution for that, for, for saving money, for uh, cleaning the environment, as well as for resiliency as well. So I'm glad, I'm yeah. glad you're paying attention to kind of our posts and, and what we're no, doing. No, dude, I, I mean, I, I'm going to make advertising for you guys anytime for free because I love what you guys do. I honestly think, like, this is awesome. I, I want to see that everywhere because it's just a great idea. I want you guys to be as successful as possible. But, like, I'm honestly saying that. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you. What do you? What it seems like it's missing is really someone in the government to see you guys, because I think this is will be the perfect solution for like a project of like fifty housing solutions. And there you are. You're providing, uh, you know, reliable uh, heat source and also electricity for all these people. And again, they they don't see that, and it's fine. But with the, the part of the, the, the dirty little truth that he was talking there in the beginning of renewables is that the reality is uh, energy consumption per capita is quality of life. People yeah. need energy and you only like the whole conversation here that we're talking about competing with different sources. We're only talking about basically US and Europe. The rest of the world, you still have people that don't have internet. They don't have, for God's sake, they don't have, a, they don't have water on the tap. And that just drives me crazy because the solution for the solution is there is we just need to make it a way to get it to them because there is a solution and we need to get it there, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's I have an altruistic side of me where um I remember this conversation where I first met my wife and I was like, Oh, I'm I'm gonna change the world, I'm gonna make this device, it's gonna be great. And then 
you know, it's steam driven, right? And, and you know, you mentioned the, the Carnot cycle and all you need for this is heat. And like, there's a version of this somewhere in my mind where you go and you cut down some sticks and you throw it under the boiler section and all of a mm -hmm. sudden you start producing, you know, the power that, that you need from wherever that is. You know, that's packed yeah. away yeah. there when, when I can, you know, have that R&D lab that, uh, you know, where the engineers are free will to, to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, um, I've seen tons of great ideas to the point, um, you know, you've got the soccer ball that you kick around and stores uh, electricity and turns into a nightlight, uh, all those kind of things. But you're 100% you're right that um, you know, quality of life is, is directly related to the, the energy consumption that you have. And we're lucky enough that we can consume as much as we want, but the rest we take it for granted, pretty much. We take it for granted, exactly right. So, um, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. For me, if I just win the lottery, I'm gonna produce cheap pumps for people who just need to fucking walk five miles a day to get water. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm gonna solve this. And it doesn't matter if I go bankrupt after winning the lottery. I just want to solve this because this is ridiculous. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, and what, what, when you when you have that R and D lab and we just go to the social part, talk to me. We're gonna do some projects there and gonna help people out. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great, man. But hey, what are you talking there about fuse throwing sticks? But actually, that's a um, uh, something I was curious. With the boiler, currently does work only with gas, like natural gas, meaning methane, basically. That's, yeah, that's exactly. what it burns. We'll be certifying it to natural gas and, and propane as the initial uh, product. Uh, however, mm -hmm. it, it's external combustion, right? So you just need a heat source. What we're looking at is, you know, what's the blended ratio of renewable natural gas? But again, it's methane um, that, that's mainly uh, we're talking about combusting there. And then we're looking at hydrogen uh, as well. So uh, there is a big discussion on how do we use hydrogen? How does gas... Um, really uh, play a part in, in this electrification. And a lot mm -hmm. of it has to do with hydrogen and um, you know, using excess renewables to, uh, to break water down through electrolyzers, create hydrogen, and then use that for other forms of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, other forms of, of energy, such as heating, uh, or in this case, uh, producing electricity. So um, with our partners who are paying attention to that, um, we're putting together, you know, a long-term roadmap of, of using hydrogen into uh, into the system. Um, cool. And then, yeah, we, we've talked about, you know, other biogases that, that we can get into there. It's external combustion. It's metal. If it makes heat mm -hmm. and it can be absorbed into a heat exchanger, it can work into this system. So mm -hmm. uh, what we've tried not to do is uh, spread ourselves too thin early on so we yeah, kind of went that's, through, that's right, right. Yeah. What's, the, what's the mass market how do we get the product there but um we get interest all the time about uh using you know uh wood chips uh using uh, pellets using um you know all different types of stored energy that mm -hmm. you know burn to release yeah. biogas is a big one that actually i wanted to mention you and offline i can hook you up with with some people just because at least that I know of some parts of Brazil, specifically because I'm from like, know some people there. There is a huge incentive because there is a lot of uh, swine uh, production. And basically oh. all the waste was terrible because it generates methane and that's even worse for greenhouse effects. So people oh, yeah. were burning that 
And then they realized, wait a second, we are burning a fortune here. And then they started building this bill digesters and now they have methane. So the price of methane went really down in Brazil, in some parts of the, you know, really the countryside. And it was like, oh, how do we produce energy out of that? And usually the stuff that produces energy out of biogas is like, it's embarrassing. It's like an old diesel engine that someone kind of like adapted and just like, oh, it produces energy. It's like, yeah, it could be like 10 times better, but so yeah, when you guys, the main point there is the moisture that comes along, right? Yeah. So you need to find a way to dry that before burning. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to hook you, hook you up with, with some people there, man. You guys, hope you see you guys in Latin America as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would love it. Bring it on. <laughs> cool. So you guys outsource that that part of the, so do you guys produce your own boiler? Or that's now something that you're just kind of outsourcing and partnering with other people? So we've we've uh, designed it, we've patented it, but we have partnered with one of the premier heat exchanger manufacturers in the condensing boiler space. So they're out of uh, out of Poland um, and they're, they'll be producing it. So that was another, uh, right, we're a manufacturer, but I like to say we're a manufacturer of the 21st century the same way you know uber is a taxi company of the 21st yep. century right? they don't actually mm -hmm. own taxis they own kind of the app well we own yeah. the ip and we go to the seasoned manufacturers um that that produce these components right so boiler manufacturers in general actually don't even make the internals right they buy the gas valve the blower the heat exchanger they package it and they certify it and so mm -hmm. we followed the, the pretty much the same uh, philosophy or business model. So we partnered with the heat exchanger manufacturer that's already making condensing boilers. So they're making condensing boilers for, you know, for our system, essentially the heat exchangers, they'll be selling mm -hmm. it to the, to our packager, our boiler OEM. And then we mm -hmm. went out and, um, found a uh, high-speed generator manufacturer that will be, um, producing the, the generator for us and assembling the entire package. So, we went with a radial turbine uh, design, right? So it's a simple impeller. And what's, I mean, in New England, we're in the perfect spot for that, right? I, I mean, how Absolutely. many, you could throw a stick and find a, a, a shop that's making impellers uh, you know, <laughs> for, for, for turbochargers, right? That's so, absolutely right, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we're letting the, the guys that, that make the parts already in the supply chain, make the parts we, you know, pack, patented it, protected it, put it all together. And, and most importantly, we have all the software. Uh, and so we, um, you know, take those parts and enable the, the incumbents to have a unique product. Yeah, this is a great idea. Honestly, that's perfect. Basically, what you're telling me is that you guys became an OEM. You're not trying to sell to the end user. You became the OEM who is selling technology to another company who's putting that together in their product. And that's it. And, and so that's one aspect of the business right so so we want to we want to sell as many products as possible right and it's interesting because in the heating industry um brand means a lot but mm -hmm. also the installer in general uh has uh the most say to, to the end user right so yeah. if uh, <laughs> if a boiler breaks uh and uh what he's going to tell the uh installer 
is, oh man, this brand really stinks. Not that he installed it wrong or that he wired it wrong. It's that, oh man, you bought a bad product. It's not my fault, yeah. right? So mm -hmm. if something's more complicated or harder for the end, uh, for the installer, sometimes they won't sell it. So Sorry, I have uh, a visitor here. Oh, look at that. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be playing with you. <laughs> that's great. Sorry, please <laughs> keep no, going. Right. So, so <laughs> what we're doing is having our, our um, OEMs push the product into the market, but we're also developing a sales strategy to um, to sell to large customers. Uh, you pointed out, right? You know, new construction that's building, you know, a hundred different buildings or you know, an apartment building with a hundred different apartments into it. We're selling to to basically large real estate companies, and then long term, what we're looking at is uh, energy service company. Right where you don't pay anything, we'll come along, install the product. Uh, your savings is what pays for the system, and you know now you've got uh, backup power as well. So it's similar to solar. The big difference is solar only works on 25% of the roofs. Yeah, the heating products, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's, that's, a, that's a great idea. Yeah, and that that's pretty interesting. That's one other thing I was curious to ask you, like how is going to work? Because right now you guys do styling, but these things are going to be in someone's basement for the next 20 years. Oh, how how's that maintenance gonna work out? Like, is it so close to an actual boiler that uh, the usual technician would be fine? Or I assume at some point you guys are gonna start needing to provide training for technicians who are like changing. I don't know, the first thing that comes to my mind is the bearings that you gotta be changing the, the bearings of your turbine and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's the number one question we get from everyone, right? Is mm -hmm. okay, like a boiler, but it's not a boiler, right? You have a high speed, <laughs> give us a high speed <laughs> expander inside of that. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, our design philosophy was to make the maintenance like a boiler. So, the, the power cycle is sealed in, and we draw it under vacuum, similar to an air conditioning mm -hmm. system, right? Mm -hmm. So, think mm -hmm. there's a compressor and an air conditioning system. Uh, you don't mm -hmm. generally change that out, you know sometimes they fail and you have to swap them out but that was that was our design philosophy so the entire power cycle is sealed we draw it under vacuum we install uh the working fluid and ideally you shouldn't have to touch the turbine um the bearings inside the turbine are ceramic ball bearings that are greased and so uh we put a greasing pump with the uh with with the device that has to be changed mm -hmm. once every five years so okay. uh, the only maintenance is swapping out a greasing pump. So there will be some training um, in, in having to do that, but it's very, very minimum. And it's, you know, turning wrenches, which most uh, HVAC guys or, or plumbers can do. But we, we didn't mm -hmm. want to add an oil bath. We didn't want to make it so you had to change up the oil. We said, yeah, okay, yeah. put a grease pump on, let it do what it's going to do, make the cavities bigger so you can have grease go into there and just mm -hmm. put a new grease pump on there, right? And then you press a button and it's it's good to go. So the only real maintenance is is every five years, you put a grease pump and then you have to check the rest of the boiler components. So sparkers, things like that. But you're doing that for a, a boiler anyway. For the boiler anyway, right? yeah. Long-term, um, you know, I love magnetic bearings. I just don't know mm -hmm. how you get the cost of magnetic bearings to, to pan out below, you know, 25 kW. Um, yeah. But again, I got some crazy thoughts up there, you know, bearingless machines, some other crazy stuff uh, that, that I've seen. So again, if that R&D lab ever gets to, to grow to where I'd like it to be, um, I'd really like to, to get innovative into, in, into how to stabilize, you know, a machine that runs 200,000 RPM, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's cool, man. Yeah, and I guess we're all looking forward to that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah.
and and well, kind of wrapping up here. I know uh, I want to be mindful of time. I know you you're a busy guy as well. Um, clearly, you're happy where you are. So, why do you talk about someone that just as you in their senior project of engineering had an idea, or maybe not even that? They're not even engineers, but they have an idea, and then some point, they, I mean, they have a family, they need to support the family, but they kind of have an idea, and they oh man, they, they kind of struggle with that. Should I, shouldn't I? What, what are your thoughts? What, what would you say to them? I, I mean, so there's not enough hours in the day, right? So you, you, you have to find where your hours are. You have to, um, I mean, when I got out of school, I had three jobs. I never, I kept bartending. I did this other project I was working on, plus I got a full-time job. You know, it mm -hmm. was like, mm -hmm. it's in my DNA to do that kind of stuff. So uh, if, it's, yeah. if that's the type of person you are, then, 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 go at it. And if you're passionate, if you're really passionate about something, it, you don't need this advice, right? You're you're doing it. You're doing it naturally. If you're truly passionate about something, you know, you're, you're going to find uh, a way to do it. Um, the advice I would give is if you do have that passion, just don't let any distractors, um, you know, convince you that what you're doing, you know, isn't worthwhile. And if it turns out to be nothing, it doesn't matter because it gave you an iteration that leads to the next idea, that leads to the next idea, that leads to the next idea. No one hits a home run right away. And mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to flush ideas out, regardless of what they're, a podcast or starting a company or doing whatever. It takes just time and passion. And, you know, for someone that says, I don't know why you're doing that, it's not worth it. Um, you know, to them it's not worth it, but to you it's the building of something else. And just don't let your curiosity, um, you know, be let that spread out. Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. You know, just just keep keep going with that. I mean, that that to me has always been the driving force of I have no idea what this is ever going to be, but I can still buy food, I can still pay my rent, you know, I could still you know get a date, and before you know I got married, it was like. If I could do that, then I'm going to keep pursuing my passion because I just loved it. I loved it and I still love it so much mm -hmm. and follow that dream, right? So that's fine. so cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah. No, you're so right. And uh, what is one of the things that you just said that, that I loved is just, yeah, you, you're going to find a way. I guess um, what you said, though, is really important. Like, I do have that problem sometimes. I like, but I'm so curious that I just kind of like lose focus. And that's probably the main way of killing time and and everything else but everything else that you said it just really resonates with me there is one thing my wife doesn't like it's not very romantic but i have like a very stoic personality so every time i'm starting to start something i think about what if i'm going to try this for one year and i'm going to fail miserably mm. is this still going to be worth it so i do that for everything i did that for the podcast i did that before getting married i thought Okay, if at six months from now we're gonna split and it's gonna be that those nasty divorces and everything, is it still worth it? Yeah, it's still worth it. I wanted to do it. I was just like, okay, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. So now we've been two years together. So with that, but yeah, that's absolutely my mentality for everything. Like if I absolutely fail, do back in my mind, I still think it's worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. So I should do it. That's how, you know, I've actually never thought of that, but th those exact thoughts, you know, it's like, do I fail? And then who cares? You know, it's like, yeah, was it worth the, the journey? Did I learn something? You know, that kind yeah. of thing, right? It's like, if, yeah. if anyone ever says anything, you are in a position like, did you ever build a turbine? 
No, right? So, fuck you. This one guy right here, right? Yeah, there you go. The worst case scenario, you have a very cool device to say, I did it. It's mine. I, I designed this. It's the best paperweight ever, right? It's, uh, yeah. So. yeah, it's really cool. Mike, I'm going to let you go. Man, I really love this. I hope you can do this in the future. And by the way, congratulations for the 1,000 hours of operation. I guess people Thank don't really realize how much work goes behind that. And, you know, that just, that is the, the, the proof, like, this is not a crazy idea. This is just working, and, and th that's how I pretty much assume it's going to keep going for you guys. Yeah, we're excited. We're on our third install, this time at a, at a university. We're crossing well over a megawatt hour of total production on these turbines. Um, it's, it's fantastic. So I appreciate the, the time coming on here. It's great catching up with you. It's been a while. So yeah, it's really nice talking to you, man. I'm happy we could do it in a podcast, and I'd love yeah, to yeah. When things come back to normal, and you guys come to the UK, where I go to the US, let's uh, let's do some stuff. Let's let's record yeah. one of these live, and then we do some cool stuff offline. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And I think what you know, when we talked ahead of time, we were talking about Europe. I, we do have plans to go to Europe uh, probably in 2022 with some of our partners, and uh, oh, cool. we have some UK distribution out there. So uh, if we All get right. there, we'll make sure we'll do it. Not just uh, in person, but uh, we'll do half at a uh, half at the system to show you, it, and then the other half maybe at a pub. Oh yeah, please let me know. Yeah, please definitely let me know. I want to to be the UK uh, customer number one. <laughs> All right, love it. All right, sounds good. So thanks. Yeah, hey, have a great weekend, man. Thanks so much for this. We catch All up right. soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you. See you. Bye bye. <laughs>